0: Well, hello everyone. Good morning again. It's lovely to see you. Do keep that page open. 5, oh, what is it? 596. Psalm 87. Uh, the one of the psalmist completists, we have a summer series of, of psalms every, uh, every summer. The uh, staff go away, and the elders uh, get to preach a psalm. Uh, last year I looked at Psalm 86. Uh, Nigel looked at Psalm 88 in June, if you were here. And uh, I think I might say. Yeah. And uh, that was for about half of us, because the other half of us were aware of a thing called Revive. If you want to know about Revive, do you want someone here? And uh, at Revive, Matt Fuller took us through Psalm 89. So this is 3 this is We're beginning to fill in the gaps now, people. We need to look at Psalm 87. And as we build our coverage and knowledge of the Psalms, let me pray for us. Father, please help us to learn today not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And please give us eyes to look ahead to the future, to all the plans that you have, that wherever we are, however far off, you have a great plan of gathering people that you love together. Help us to understand that and understand how to live in the light of that tomorrow, in the week to come, and forever. Amen. Mm -hmm well I don't know if it struck you as uh, Margaret was reading but there's a lot of geography in that psalm you notice that at the beginning there's a mountain there's a city on the mountain there are gates in the city the people are born in the city and then there are fountains inside the city it's not a lot it's not six verses and if you were just a geography fan looking at the people and the physics of the place you would kind of completely miss the point there'd be a much shorter psalm even shorter psalm and it would be a short sermon But this isn't just anywhere that's being described here. There are many cities on hills. There are many cities with gates. There are many cities with fountains in. Travel websites can offer you trips in seconds to all sorts of cities that are grander than Jerusalem was. And some of us have been able to travel to many majestic places. In fact, even during the Bronze Age, Jerusalem, the city on Mount Zion, was unique in physical terms the special thing about this place is that God loves it. This city is his idea. He founds it. He establishes it. Our God is not a God who has remained silent and removed and indifferent from the world. He has stepped into history at particular times and in particular places. And if we had been around in a period of a few hundred years, we would have been able not just to put our hands onto the stones and the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, not just to know the colour and the feel and the type of stone, but to know that God himself had caused this city to be built and that God himself loved the gates that we could walk through. To a person of faith, that would have made all the difference. We all have places that are special to us. We feel belong to us in a particular way. Many of the young people are away on campus, as we've said, and they will get back on Wednesday to their families but also their familiarities. Their own bed. Being greeted by their own pets. Having their own four walls around them. But this is different again. This is special to God. It's a place that God loves, which he calls his own. And it might be uncomfortable to read. You might have raised an eyebrow as it was read. But God loved Jerusalem more than all the other dwellings or settlements of Jacob, which is another word for Israel. God preferred, at least at one point in history, one place over other places. And that's a bit of a challenge to us. We like to think that God is everywhere, can work everywhere. If we don't look at this with maturity, we might say that, well, we need to make a place where we live or the place where we need as a church into a special place. We might be tempted to think, what can we do to make God love here, love where we are more than elsewhere? And at Grace Church, we might have a particular problem with that because we have made a particular point of living like you. We don't have the place that we meet. We don't need property actually. We rent space in a school which is used much of the time for completely different purposes, of course. We need a whole squad of people every Sunday whose job it is to put out furniture and equipment that we need and then to put it all away again afterwards. And sometimes we might stop and ask ourselves, are we doing this wrong? Well? Does God favour other churches with their heritage, their architecture, and their dedicated space? Well the answer is no. Jerusalem was special because God chose it. And it's actually it's rather impertinent, cheating for us to say that we can make God a love place or a person because of our human behavioural actions. Your God is too small if you think that. God chose Zion because He chose Zion. He made it. It was his idea. and It wasn't because one people or another decided to, to bring God's favour down on a particular place. And uncomfortable as we might find it, God does have preferences. He loves who he loves. And here, he loves where he loves. And he is free to make that kind of choice. He is ultimately sovereign. And he did make that kind of choice. What we can do is to discern to work out what God is doing and join in with it. That's actually part of godliness, God-likeness. And here, the sons of Korah, who wrote the song, are looking with eyes of discernment. They're looking beyond the geography. And we can ask the same question. What is God doing in our time? What is he loving now? What's important to him? Well, God wants people everywhere to know him. As we've prayed and as we've heard already, he wants us to repent of sin, to turn and trust in Jesus. He wants to rejoice. We hey, were repentant sinners. So be inviting your friends and neighbors, your family and your colleagues to hear about Jesus, the son he loves. Some of us should consider following Mark and Margot and becoming a missionary or a full-time worker to see this happen more. And some of us should join in with supporting mission partners Pray that God would bless and sustain his workers here and elsewhere. Don't just look at the surface and the world around you. Don't just look at the geography. Don't just accept the news you read. Because what God thinks of a situation or a place or a person is more important. What God thought of the first Jerusalem was more important than what the first citizens thought. Some of them probably didn't appreciate what they were living in. What God thinks of your life or your place is more important than what you think. God is judge, and when he tells us what he's feeling, then we should listen. And if that means changes to align our affections and our fascinations, our money flows, our time or clubs or hobbies or holidays so that we can make God happier, then let's do it. Now, the way we join in with God's passions might be different from what it was a few years ago. We might be at a different stage in life with more responsibilities, or fewer responsibilities. Indeed, some of the early singers and hearers of this psalm might not have been able to visit Jerusalem at all. It seems to have been a late psalm. That Jerusalem was destroyed. The psalm would have been used as much to help people remember God's promised city while they were kidnapped in exile. Babylon captured Jerusalem. We're not quite sure. Historians don't know. Apparently, if it was 587 or 586 B.C., whichever year it was, it must have been absolutely shattering to people who believed and trusted in God. And that that was God's city. Can you imagine what we would have done to the psychology of the faithful? They could have put their hands on the stones. Someone's went around castles this summer. We could put our hands on the stones of you could imagine being able to put your hands on that stone and God loved that, not just it was special and being and strong and powerful and isn't it beautiful? But God loved it. And then seeing it burn and torn down. What a test of faith. They would have had to decide: was their faith in the strong gates that God loved, but had proved inadequate to resist the invaders? Or was their faith in the God? who loved the gates and had caused the city to be built in the first place. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Jerusalem. Verse 3. When your youths are carried off to mighty Babylon with its famous hanging gardens and people of many different nations such a bigger city. Psalm 137. I'm sure we'll get to it one year. Verse 3 tells of the Babylonian captors who carried the people of God away, taunting them, saying, Go and sing us a song of Zion. A tragic reply. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? And yet sing they could, sing this song they could. Perhaps not in front of a cynical set of captors, our hearts couldn't have been in it. But joy, even there, was possible. Don't doubt that God can be active in the most hostile cultures. Have faith. God can work even in Babylon. They could say, even in the terrible, larger kingdoms and empires around God was at work. Rahab here, in verse four, is a nickname for Egypt. It also means sea monster, like we might say of Russia the bear or China the dragon, occasionally. Rahab, Egypt, was like a monster to the south and west, always bigger, always more threatening. And Babylon, well, that was the growing empire in the later part of the history of the kingdoms of the Israelites. It lay to the north and east. And I've already said what happened. They were both much larger than the area that Jerusalem controlled. God also mentions the local rivals here near the sea, you see that? Philistines most of us will probably have probably heard about them Tyre, that was a rich city by the coast and also beyond fifthly, to far off coast, the upper Nile region the history of Egypt is a constant competition between the lower and the upper Nile, oh, why? why are both mentioned here? what's going on? Well, the punctuation helps us a little bit as well. God himself is speaking. He's being quoted by the sons of Korah. And God is saying that he will be known even there in those places. And not just in those five places, because he says, among those who acknowledge me will be. It's just an edited list for a short song, suggesting that there are other places. elsewhere in the Bible, we actually know that among peoples of every tribe and tongue and every nation, God will have some who bow the knee in faith to Christ. But even for the early hearers, if this song was sung and heard in exile in Babylon, how comforting to know that God is supreme even there. And also all the way over the other side of Jerusalem, over in Egypt and beyond Egypt, in places where Babylon itself never got to, God was wooing there, and God would be known there, even by people who are hostile and powerful. God would be known far and wide. But not just known. Known is in that passage, of course, but the word that comes up, the verb that comes up three times is born. Did you see that? Born and born and born. Our language here is a little bit confusing around what's going on, but it seems that the mentioning of these nations as persons represents people from those nations being brought in. Like in sports, when our national team plays, we say England attacks or England scores a girl. God can work in the most hostile places. God can make people be. Evil. In cultures where he is expressly denied, his son consistently slandered today. China and in other places. God can work in the hardest individuals too. Members of households who are dead set against the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They can be brought in. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, was energetic in opposing the work of God, raising money and traveling to persecute the church, and yet he was turned around and born again. Who is it that opposes God in your family or workplace? Sometimes it Looks impossible. Sometimes there will be active opposition, sometimes passive denial, sometimes they'll be very polite, sometimes sweet, perhaps fervently trusting in another religion. Who is it that you know that rejects the God of Desire? Well have faith. God can work in them and for them. Pray and keep praying. There is nowhere too remote, no culture too opposed, that God cannot work. Of course, it is easier for us in our time. We have more in the of the Bible than the first heroes of Psalm 87 did. We know that God did come in the person of Christ. He died outside Jerusalem once for all. The great transaction took place just outside the city. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And then the message spread from Jerusalem. It spread northwards to Samaria, Turkey and Europe and eventually here. And the church is now established on all continents. This is the great age, the great time. God is bringing people to himself everywhere. Rapidly now, people in nations and clans and tribes are hearing of the good news of Jesus God's Son. And the word is reaching many places that it wasn't before. Let's join in. Let's join in because a new city is coming. The same idea about starting or founding a city in verse 1 is repeated at the end of verse 6. Do you see that's a repeated idea here? But in verse 6, it's in the future. It isn't the Jerusalem of today in the modern state of Israel. It isn't the place we're sometimes tempted to make here, building a new Jerusalem in this green and pleasant land. It isn't completely fulfilled in the time when the Jews returned from Babylon, when Nehemiah was alive. And it did not feature people in Kush, Sudan, or Ethiopia. This is about a perfect future city that we haven't seen yet. We learn later in the Bible more details. We're told of geometric perfection. The New Jerusalem is vast. We learn details about gates. Yes, there are gates in the New Jerusalem, but not just gates. These are jeweled gates, and not just jewel encrusted gates. These gates are jewels. We will walk through crystal structures. And then the city is described as a spotless bride. There are many other things we can learn later in the Bible. But the most consistent idea about the New Jerusalem it's here in one of the earliest mentions, and it's in many other places, is about God bringing people together from north and south and east and west. These are the most consistent glories in the prophecies which speak of a new Jerusalem. It is the glory here in Psalm God is very consistent over hundreds of years, the new Jerusalem will be characterised by people of many nationalities being gathered together and belonging together. It is here, it's in Revelation, and listen to this, two verses from Michael, a prophet speaking later. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, and he will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into ploughshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Bringing nations together in Jerusalem is not a one off idea, just mentioned in passing in one or two bits of the Bible. It is the whole glory here and it is central, central consistently throughout the Bible. We heard earlier this year from Galatians. Remember that series? There's one thing I missed before preparing this and picked up when I was looking. Uh, Galatians is a letter written in the New Testament to a group of people who have mixed heritage. Some would have known that they could trace their ancestry uh, Jews, and others did not. And Paul was clear that the offer of Jerusalem was available to both. In chapter 4, where he contrasts living under the law and living under freedom, Isaac and Ishmael, Sarah and Hagar, chapter 4, verse 26, but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. If you're a Christian today, you are born in Zion. Wherever our mothers actually gave us birth, whether we are Jewish or not, if we trust in Christ, we belong in Zion. As the exiles from the first Jerusalem were taken away, no doubt there would have been a terrible register. We learned most of what we learn about the Babylonian civilization from hundreds and hundreds of clay tablets, and no doubt some would have been used for numbering. Jewish slaves as they were led away. And certainly, when the exiles returned wonderfully, the Bible books of Nehemiah and Ezra tell us that family records were checked, registers were checked, to see who was entitled to live in Jerusalem again. Foreigners were excluded to guard against false worship in a few cases. But there is no such trial God himself will write the register. Do you see that in verse 6? God himself will declare who was born in Zion. He makes the records. He decides. No temporary worker state. There's no fixed-term visa here. Born again citizen. Some of us here have uh, two passports this morning. Uh, some maybe have three, I don't know. Legally, it's possible for someone to be a citizen of the United Kingdom and of somewhere else. And that may be a useful way of thinking about our lives now, if we are believers this morning. Mm -hmm. I've often thought about trying to explain our citizenship in heaven to children this way. We're also citizens of heaven. We belong there. If we believe and trust in Jesus, then we belong to God's kingdom. And we live here in a kind of exile. We don't lose our rights in our earthly country. We've known that we don't need to do that since Paul was prepared to use his citizenship back in 1st century AD. And he didn't hold back from exercising his rights under that either. But the next time you open your passport, look at the place of birth. Whatever it says, absent Edinburgh, Remember, there was a passport for the kingdom of God. That passport would say, place of birth, Zion. I remember when I was travelling around Central Asia. I uh, I loved travelling between cities and seeing cities and understanding them, visiting them, and seeing what they were like. And I got back to the house of my team leader, full of stories of the journey that I had been on. I bought a seat in the minibus, there were delays on the mountain road, so when we got to one city it was too late to carry on the journey, and I'd gone to a bunch of other passengers, and we'd stayed in someone's front room. It was so exciting. I got up early the next morning and I saw the sunlight. So it was so beautiful over the city and I completed my journey and I, I was just full of it. Oh, I was such a privilege. I was aware of the privilege I've had of being able to make that journey. And I would totally have made a TikTok if it had been in there. <laughs> <laughs> and my TV would would beat. Rejoice rather that your name is written in heaven. Luke ten verse twenty. That's what matters. Whatever experience you have in this life, we can never top the guarantee that we have for the next life, the guarantee that we have in God. Our delights should all be in Zion. The stereotypical dream of every English person, they say, is a cottage near a village. Roses around the front door. Many in the world would actually love a chance to live in Mustafa. God wants to live with us in a city closer than here, closer than we live around with each other. Here. The final picture in this psalm is of musicians and singers around a fountain. Differing translations: that's either a choir and instrumentalists, or people who can play as they sing. It's not as easy as Craig makes it look. But it's a vision of perfection. It's a vision of harmony. A fountain in a hot climate, like in Jerusalem, is many things. It's a focal point in the space. It's a visual delight, moving line through the water. It's a sweet ASMR sound. It's something to drink. Moving water is usually safe to drink. You can cool off. You can clean things and so on and so on. It's a sign of real civilization. And compared to life outside or on a farm or travelling, it would be absolutely nice. If you could live on a square with a fountain, you wouldn't say, well, actually... I'm going to go and get some of the brackish water we've got from a well down the valley. would to bring that with you or drink that to you. All my delights are in me. Even people who are far off will be able to find full satisfaction, all of their delights, in what God has to offer. Whatever the algorithms find for us to watch or read, whatever the shops and merchants find for us to buy. Whatever the traditions and sports that we can enjoy and fall back on, God is more satisfying. This vision is more satisfying. It is enough. Hebrews 12, we actually pick this up and we're looking at our Leviticus series. Hebrews 12 tells us that spiritually we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. But perhaps, this morning, that time makes you a bit cold. Maybe you're just not feeling it. Maybe you haven't for some time. I listened to a soundtrack from a film this weekend. It's a film I'd seen before, and I actually listened to the soundtrack on its own and really paid attention to the words, and the words, sound of the song made no sense with the film at all. They just didn't fit together. They didn't match. The film was about science fiction and spaceships. I like that kind of thing. (laughs) And the song was about a ghost, I think, and something to do with swans. <laughs> and maybe your life feels about as incongruous with this song as that today. See, life for you and me seems to be like living a quiet and good life here, spending a lot of time in front of the screen, one way or another. It's not about cities, it's not about empires, it's not about singing around fountains. I'm not in La La Land. How do I fit this together? Some of us here are more than puzzled. Some of us are in pain. Some of us have ongoing torment. Relationships that just can't get right. And we know that God loved us. And it doesn't make sense that the world is carrying on. God can do anything. Why doesn't he push a button or something and just lift us all straight out of here to this new Jerusalem. The answer is what took Jesus to the cross. Why did he do that? Why did he keep himself there when every fiber of his being was filled with confusion and screaming to get out? Because he could have got out. But at a maximum, the Romans had probably four legions of soldiers in the whole of Palestine at the time of Jesus. And yet, Matthew 26. Just as he was arrested, Jesus said, Do you not think I can call, I cannot call on my Father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of enemies? He didn't have to do that. And what? Why did he go through it? On the cross, Jesus is asking, Why? Why? Why are you forsaking me, God? It didn't make sense anymore. But he didn't try to get off. And the book of Philippians tells us. Was to populate this city.
1: It was for the joy set before
0: him that he endured the cross. This city is God's joy. Jesus held himself there for the joy of the future, rejoicing with his new people in the new Jerusalem, taking the punishment of death <coughs> as our sin in himself. So, whatever you're facing, join in with God's plans. They are the reason they're still here. And this morning, if you haven't trusted in God, if you haven't received the forgiveness for sins that Jesus won at the cross for you, then cry out to him today. Ask the God of this psalm, of this city, because no one is too far off. God's plan for a very long time has been to have a people from the peoples for himself in this city well, and there can be a place on the register for you too. Let me pray. Father, please help us to come to terms with the amazing purposes you have and that we've seen in this song. Please help us to long for the future, however wonderful life here is, Please help us to trust in Jesus You can get us there to be with you, even when it's hard to take another step, even when we haven't taken the first step. Please help us to move on. Please help us to know you through your Son in this place.